Yes, Master! <laughs> up with the banana-powered radio? Yeah, a pretty good reception, though. Yeah. Well, hello, friends, and welcome in to this science-infused edition of Fusebox number 219, the how-to of the what for. And I'm your conducting research with low-budget orchestras host, Mark Rose, and uh, over there doing the deep dive into ancient and esoteric napping techniques <laughs> is, <laughs> is the microtonal man of mystery himself, the Archbishop of Amplitude, Milk Canes, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. So, uh, we're getting all uh, science-y and shit. Well, uh, yeah, you know, because uh, there have been a few developments of light in the grand and uh, quasi-mysterious worlds of science that uh, struck me as worthy of mention on our humble program here. Well, roger that. So will there be, like, uh, beakers and test tubes and a lot of dry ice? Maybe some uh, blue lights? You know, I dig the hell out of that. Uh, we can get our sonic set designers right on that for you, Mr. Kane. Beauty. Yeah. Uh, but, you know... Before we jump into the uh, deep end and get all sciencey and so forth, I wanted to mention an experience that I had this uh, past weekend, and I recommend it as well. Oh, 
Did you finally get to do that deprivation tank filled with jello? Uh, no, not, not, not exactly, no. This was, however, a rather uh, wonderful tonic for our times. Oh, it had booze involved then. Uh, no. Sorry, Mr. Keynes, I'm going to throw all the cards. It was a showing of James Hood's film, Beautifica. Wait, James Hood's? Wasn't he the drummer for The Pretenders? <laughs> Correct, sir. <laughs> well, congrats on knowing that lineage. Uh, oh, well, good. At least two brain cells are still working. <laughs> well, well, as you know, after his work with The Pretenders, um, he did many things. But one of the projects he started was an ensemble called um, uh, Mood Swings, which I guess you could say might be uh, poorly billed as a new age uh, group, uh, personally. I think the work, especially Beautifica, goes uh, well beyond those typical boundaries. Uh, Back in uh, 2017, which was uh, the date of his third album called Mesmerica, uh, he decided to create a visual accompaniment to the work and invited the collaborations of several visual artists to uh, create these 3D landscapes to go with the compositions and... uh, Later, I guess, this was uh, formatted as a visual experience one would see at immersive dome theaters at uh, planetariums. So, Beautifica is a continuation of this idea, and it's pretty stunning to take in. I, uh, I saw it at OMSI, the uh, Oregon Museum of Science and Industry here in, in Portland, uh, which was a uh, planetarium dome theater. What I took away from this uh, one-hour experience only uh, was, to say the least, mostly medicinal. Did you have to get shots? No. Let me explain. I I, I really think that work like uh, Beautifica, especially in our current time of agitation, an agitation which is seemingly enforced and uh, oftentimes initiated by uh, uh, media of one sort or another, I think this is really a tonic for our mental health. Now, I really don't know if we all consider uh, what all this puff and buzzle out there does to our daily consciousness and, uh, more importantly, our subconscious minds. It does have an effect on our moods and uh, our health. So, in a way, this film was a a brave step to take in the face of all this uh, rabid negativity out there and say, okay, hey, 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 time out. You know, take a deep breath and take a journey inside to uh, reaffirm the things that truly are important because the noise that is out there will endlessly uh, be changing. But this thing might just cause you to refocus and uh, recharge a bit. It certainly can't hurt. So, this was like those planetarium shows like in the 70s with the uh, laser lights and... (laughs) Well, happily, no. (laughs) Uh, This is quite the visual trip and beautifully rendered both in uh, computer-generated imagery and and then actual imagery that has been tweaked a bit. It's uh, immersive. You're oftentimes feeling like you're, you're really moving, you know, either up or along a path in this thing. And uh, in some ways, it's almost like a guided meditation, as there will be uh, very brief affirmations provided by James Hoods himself to uh, add to the ride. 
Not a suggestion, by the way, of what to feel, but more a guide to the landscape. You know, I, I, I just found it really interesting, too, that they made it a point to emphasize that there is no end result here. None that you're supposed to feel. It's your ride. Just go. Huh. I don't know. Might want to check that out. Oh, I, I, I think you dig it, man. I, but, but you better hurry because at least here uh, they have extended the run throughout March of this year. Um, I've got a link to it in the uh, show notes to uh, show dates and other info for other parts of the country. Uh, I, I know for here that there was a line to get into this thing. And uh, frankly, that just filled me with joy. Yeah, I kind of expect that out here, though, yeah? Yeah, 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 perhaps. But uh, still really good to see. Still really, really good to see. So highly recommended. Beautifica by uh, James Hoods. Uh, so when we return, we'll take a splash into the science pool. Stay with us, can't we? I think that's a splendid idea. com. Welcome back, friends. Are you ready for some scintillating science? Is it scary? Well, this one might be a little stinky. Oh, bring it. The hot wire of science. Friends, I have some urgent and odiferous news. Livestock dung could be used to create the next generation of composite materials, such as plastic, recycled card and paper, or even concrete. However, it could also be used for the extraction of nanocellulose, a prospective bio-based, and biodegradable material of the future. Huh? Well, I, I mean, I guess we're all familiar with the fact that livestock dung is typically used as a fertilizer or as a, a source of biogas for uh, green energy applications. But uh, this study, led by scientists at Scotland's Rural College in collaboration with the universities of Bristol and uh, Edinburgh, reviewed recent research into the development of high-value manure-derived materials from ruminant animals, such as cattle. Well, what they found was that dung has been largely overlooked despite the variety of different applications for uh, recycled ruminant waste biomass. Overlooked, you say? Well, it's probably not the first thing you think of, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I suppose. Um, frankly, the, the main issue they have at the moment with the, the conversion process is, uh, of course, as usual, the cost. It appears that uh, it is, at least for now, a pretty intensive process to convert this stuff Vijay Kumar Gupta, Senior Challenge Research Fellow at SRUC, said, Given the demand for sustainable materials and the ever-increasing interest in nanocellulose research, it's highly likely that it will soon be brought out of the lab and into factories and everyday products. Nanocellulose, in combination with other materials such as polymers, metals, and ceramics, has huge potential for use in antibacterial agents 
antioxidants, sensors, electromagnetic shielding devices, absorbents in water treatment, fuel cells, electrochromic, and in biomedical applications. So there. Well, so now when we say that thing is really full of crap, it might really be. Now this one really gets the mind boggling, friends. So uh, I might suggest you tighten your brain clamps. Uh, consider it tightened. So when we look in a mirror, we're used to seeing our faces looking back at us, hopefully. <laughs> Science informs us that the reflected images are produced by electromagnetic light waves bouncing off of the mirrored surface, creating the common phenomenon called spatial reflection. All right? Now, similarly, spatial reflections of sound waves form echoes that carry our words back to us in the same order we spoke them. Yeah, it's only when the echo is in somebody else's voice that it gets me. Yeah, modern-day dilemma, Mr. Kent. Well, scientists have played around with the notion for about 60 years of the possibility of observing a different form of wave reflection known as temporal or time reflections. These are very different than the spatial reflections, which arise when a light or sound wave hits a boundary such as a mirror or a wall at a specific location in space. Time reflections arise when the entire medium in which the wave is traveling suddenly and abruptly changes its properties across all of space. At such an event, a portion of the wave is time-reversed, and its frequency is converted to a new frequency. Are we talking one plus one equal aardvark? <laughs> yes, and but also, Mr. Keynes, this creates a very interesting and, well, disturbing result. Up to this point, the uh, phenomenon had never been observed for uh, electromagnetic waves. The main reason apparently for this lack of evidence, according to the folks who study it, is that uh, the optical properties of a material cannot be easily changed at a speed and magnitude that induces time reflections. Now, however, in a newly published paper in Nature Physics, researchers at the Advanced Science Research Center at the CUNY Graduate Center detail a breakthrough experiment in which they were able to observe time reflections of electromagnetic signals in a tailored metamaterial. Okay, <laughs> stay with me. Andrea Alou, distinguished professor of physics at the CUNY Graduate Center and founding director of the CUNY ASRC Photonics Initiative. Now there's something that won't fit on a business card. She said... Using a sophisticated metamaterial design, we were able to realize the conditions to change the material's properties in time, both abruptly and with a large contrast. So think of it like this. It's as if this effect they, uh, they created forms like a, a strange echo in which the last part of the signal 
is reflected first. So in other words, if you were to look into a, a, a time mirror, your reflection would be flipped and you'd see the back of your head instead of your face. In the acoustic version of this uh, observation, you'd then hear a, a sound similar to what is emitted during the rewinding of a tape. Like, yeah. Holy carp. All right, and we, we need this why? Well, they uh, say it will have enormous potential for the uh, development of highly evolved wireless technologies and uh, in what they call small, low-energy, wave-based computers. So data could travel faster over longer ranges and, of course, carry even more sophisticated information. Yeah, but will my head be backwards when using this thing? Only if you get too close, Mr. Keynes. And uh, we close with this one. And I got to say, this is, is, is my fave for the, uh, for the lot here. Now, you know, we, we've been reading and uh, hearing stories about how computers might at some point start uh, incorporating organic circuitry, living tissue that provides the uh, advanced connectivity that these speculative devices would require. Well, friends, enter fungal computing. Now, in a past show, we did touch on this, but uh, now there's even something to see. Yeah, and it's on our website, too, in the uh, new news section right there at the fuseboxshow.com. There is a link in the show notes to do that very thing, too. Perfection. So, it turns out that for uh, nearly two decades, scientists have used tiny organoids which are lab-grown tissue resembling fully-grown organs, to experiment on uh, kidneys, lungs, and other organs without resorting to human or animal testing, which is a good thing. More recently, some folks at Johns Hopkins have been working with brain organoids that promise to sustain basic functions like learning and remembering. So the plan is that by perfecting these uh, biological hardware units, Computers that run these modules could be, in the next decade anyway, begin to alleviate energy consumption demands of the uh, ginormous supercomputing functions that are uh, becoming increasingly unsustainable, I think. Now, this leads us to another branch of research utilizing the same organic approach, but this time with mushrooms. Mushrooms? How's that work? You connect a hookah to the keyboard, or...? Yes, and but not at all, Mr. Keynes. The unconventional computing laboratory, real name, at the University of the West of England in Bristol, UK, has an actual video that takes us on a tour of their uh, place. And uh, as the camera kind of pans around this, uh, well, at least at first, <laughs> normal looking lab space, we notice that on top of the rather cluttered desks, there are large plastic containers with electrodes sticking out of a foam-like substance and a massive motherboard with tiny oyster mushrooms growing on top of it. Holy carp. Yep. 
The idea here is to see if mushrooms can carry out computing and sensing functions. Because we know that um, in the forest mycelium, the branching web-like root structure of the fungus acts as conductors as well as the uh, electronic components of a computer. They can receive and send electric signals as well as retain memory. Wait a minute. You mean that portobello has a memory? Well, you know, they've, they've done a lot of research and experimenting on that very idea and have uh, determined that a highly sophisticated network exists under the forest floor that is connected by the mycelium. You know, you, you think of it like a, a, an organic Ethernet cable able to transmit and uh, receive uh, vast amounts of information, <laughs> sometimes referred to as the Wood Wide Web. I kid you not. I saw what they tried to do there. <laughs> <laughs> A little science pun for you there. <laughs> so part of the reason these things are being uh, researched into is, uh, when you think about it, it's actually pretty logical. Uh, our traditional computers, they're going to see problems as binaries. Ones, zeros, on, off. Um, and, and research has found that, well, naturally, that most real-world situations can't be captured through a, a system like that. So this is the reason why they're working on technologies like quantum computers, which could better simulate molecules... And then, of course, living brain cell-based chips, which could better mimic neural networks and something we've been hearing a lot about in recent years. Because they can represent and process information in different ways uh, that wouldn't fit into that binary structure. And, of course, provide uh, more precise calculations for uh, certain problems. Well... Well, that's the way audio used to be, right? I mean, back in the day when we were digitizing audio, it was like, how do we take this wedge of cheese and mash it into this block of holes? Well, first, the more holes you have, the more data we'll get through, right? Very well put, Mr. Keynes. Well, I try. Yeah. And if, and if we take that analogy just a little step further... The idea now is to not mash it into a many-hole block of cheese, but through a sponge. Or pangolin. Not sure the pangolin would be very pleased with the notion. So, so uh, Adamatsky says, we can say, I'm planning to make a brain from mushrooms. Right now, it's just feasibility studies. We're just demonstrating that it's possible to implement computation and it's possible to implement basic logical circuits and basic electronic circuits with mycelium. In the future, we can grow more advanced mycelium computers and control devices. Wow, now there's a film for you. Mushroom Brain Computer Takes Over the World. <laughs> Yes, and on that terrifying note, we'll call it a show, friends. And gather up our mycelium network and oyster mushroom-based hard drives and head for the cellar 
but not before thanking our contributor to this edition of Fusebox, Evan Morawaki, for splendid ID pronouncements. Thanks as well to the dictator of decibels, Milt Keynes, for technical assistance and so on and so forth. A pleasure as always. And folks, if uh, you haven't as yet subscribed to this here show, well, now's a great time to do it. Just smash the subscribe button wherever you found this thing. Or head on over to the Fusebox website at thefuseboxshow.com and right there on the front page is a subscribe button for you. Isn't that amazing? You can also join the expectant crowd growing now over on our Patreon page at uh, patreon.com forward slash thefusebockshow and get access to free swag, exclusive content, and so so much more. And help us out at the same time. So it's win-win, as they say. So true. So very, very true, Mr. Keynes. And thanks to you all, friends, for pushing play on this edition of the show. We sincerely mean that. I have been your returning to the scene of the crime to do a few cameos. Host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. Well, you know, she said she was uh, working something up in the lab. <laughs> <laughs>